Well, good morning and welcome again to all of you who are tuning in online for another week of Church Online. If this is your very first Life Church Buffalo experience, my name is Pete and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor and I hope you guys are doing well on this Sunday morning. We hope you had a fantastic Easter last Sunday. I know a lot of our traditions and family gatherings probably looked a little bit different this year than they have in years past. This was an Easter unlike we've ever experienced and hopefully we'll ever have to experience again. One thing remained unchanged though, and that is the fact that the tomb is still empty, Jesus is still alive, and because he is alive, we can have new life. And there were several people that we know of who made decisions last week to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And we want to celebrate with you. And so if it was last week or even in the last several weeks since we've started this whole church online thing, if you've recently made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to begin a relationship with him or to renew a relationship with him, if you've not yet let us know, would you mind taking the time to do that? If you could go to our website, lifechurchbuffalo.com, and click on the Next Steps button that's right on our homepage, we would appreciate it. We celebrate life change. That's why we do what we do, and we would love to connect with you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to send you a Bible if you don't have one, and we'd also love to suggest some next steps for you on this new journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of those next steps would be to consider signing up for an eight-week small group that we call Starting Point. Now, this is a small group that's going to be meeting online, at least initially. It's going to begin a week from tomorrow. On Monday, April 27th at 6.30 p.m., it will meet online every Monday night at that same time until unless they lift the gathering restrictions and allow us to begin gathering in person again, at which point we'll move it from an online Monday night meeting to an in-person uh, gathering on Sunday morning during our church experience. But Starting Point is uh, a small group that's designed for people who are curious about faith, have questions about faith, people who are just starting out a relationship with Jesus, and people who are just returning back to church after having spent a lot of time away. And we've had so many people go through it with so many great testimonies of how it answered a lot of questions and provided an opportunity for them to experience community with other people who are in the same boat as them. And so if any one of those three things describes you, if you are seeking and curious about faith, if you're brand new to faith or you're returning to faith, I would encourage you to consider signing up for Starting Point. And you can do that one of two ways. You can either do it on our app, the Church Center app, if you have it. You can go to the events tab and register there, or you can just go to our website, lifechurchbuffalo.com. Again, that next steps button uh, has a spot on it where you can indicate that you would like to sign up for starting point. I really hope you'll take advantage of that. We are continuing our series today on things Jesus never said. We're basically comparing and contrasting a lot of things that people attribute to faith, things uh, and sayings about God and about faith that are popular in culture today that are things that Jesus never actually said, but comparing them with some of the things he did say that we, so that we can see the power of what he did say. In week one, we looked at the very popular notion in culture and even in the church today that so many people believe that God will never give you more than you can handle. Jesus never said that. And then last week for Easter, we looked at the very popular uh, belief in our culture today that you can live your own truth, that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in that. 
And of course, we learned last week that Jesus never actually said that. He actually said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus made a very exclusive claim and then backed up who he claimed to be by predicting his own death, burial, and resurrection, and then following through on it. But today, though, we're going to talk about what might be the most popular misbelief about God in our Western version of Christianity today. And it's the belief that above all else, God just wants you to be happy. Now, if I were to tell you that God doesn't want you happy, that would be upsetting to a lot of you. Some of you would send me some nasty emails Because it's better to to believe that, of course, above all else, God wants me to be happy. I mean, doesn't it say that Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundantly? Of course he wants me to be happy. Of course he wants me to enjoy the life that he gave me. In fact, I could even quote a scripture to you that would sort of back up that belief. In Psalm 97, verse 12, it says, May all who are godly be happy. Now that reminds me of a smash hit song that came out a few years ago in 2013. Pharrell Williams released a song called Happy. I'm sure you've heard it before. It was super popular, super catchy, and the lyrics went like this. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel that happiness is the truth. And there was that tagline in there, because I'm happy. I won't sing the whole thing for you. I'll spare you of all of that. But it says, clap along if you know what happiness is to you. And clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. I loved when that song came out. I still love hearing it today. I mean, it's super catchy and just kind of puts you in a good mood when you hear it. But that is the prevailing belief in our culture today, that happiness is the truth. And of course, we learned last week that that is definitely something that Jesus never said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not happiness is the truth. He is the truth. This is one of the big cultural mistakes that people have when it comes to what they believe about God. And it's even crept into the church. This belief that above all else, God just wants me to be happy. And if you believe that, it starts to lead you down a road and a path of other misbeliefs. I want to show you what Pastor Craig Rochelle calls the theology of happiness. Because if you believe that your happiness is God's supreme goal for your life, then you also believe that, number one, whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. And that reminds me of another hit song that came out the year I graduated high school. 1996, Sheryl Crow had a song with lyrics that said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And if it makes you happy, then why the heck are you so sad? And of course, she didn't say heck if you know the song, but if I said what she actually said, then you wouldn't be very happy with me, and I don't want to read your nasty emails. But if we believe that God just wants us to be happy above all else, then we start to believe that whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. And number two, we then start to believe that things like discomfort and delay and risk and suffering and inconvenience and obstacles can't possibly be part of God's will for my life. In other words, if something isn't going right, if something happens that I didn't want to happen, I experience a delay or a discomfort or an inconvenience, then that must not be God's will for my life. And then number three, without knowing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. 
And that is where so many people find themselves today. Even people who call themselves Christians. Now here's the problem. When we believe that above all else, God just wants us to be happy, suddenly we're forced to also believe that God exists to serve us. And we've got to understand, Christians, followers of Jesus, that God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. If God exists to make us happy, then suddenly we reduce the creator and sustainer of the universe, the Holy One, to nothing more than some sort of cosmic Coke machine. Like when you go up to a pop machine and you, know, you put in your money and then you pick the button of whatever kind of soda you want, whether it's Coke or Sprite or Dr. Pepper, and you've put in your money, so contractually the, the machine is obligated to give you what you wanted it to give you. And literally without knowing it, this is kind of what we do with God. We reduce God to some sort of formula. God, I said my prayers. God, I read my Bible. I went to church. I gave a little money in the offering. I tried to do good things and I tried not to do bad things. Therefore, God, my headaches should go away. And that girl that I want to go out with should go out with me. And I should get the job or the raise. And I should get the dream house because I put the money in the in the offering, and I, I pushed the God button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do because you want to make me happy, right? You see, the challenge, if you believe that your happiness is God's main goal for your life, then when you wake up one day and you're unhappy, you come to the conclusion that God must have failed you. And the tragedy of this misbelief is that so many people wind up walking away from God because of it. They say things like, well, I, I tried religion and it didn't work for me. I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. I tried the God thing. I, I even went to a life group like they said I you know, should do, but I still wound up with cancer. I read my Bible for a little while, but my kids are still rebelling and my marriage is still failing. I put money in the offering, but my finances didn't get any better, even though I thought that they said it would. God didn't make me happy, therefore God has failed me. And so many people wind up walking away from God because the foundation of their belief system is fundamentally and dramatically flawed in this watered-down, sanitized version of American Christianity that says, above all else, God just wants me to be happy. Now listen, I believe that God delights in our happiness in the same way that as a parent, I delight when my children are happy. I believe that God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. I believe he enjoys it when we enjoy the life that he gave us. But I don't believe that our happiness is his highest priority. You see, I'm happy when my kids are happy, but their happiness is not my highest priority. For example, we bought both of our boys guitars for Christmas this year. Isaac wanted an acoustic guitar and our oldest son, Samuel, wanted an electric guitar. And uh, if you know anything about our boys, I've talked to you about them in the past, but our older boy, Samuel, is more of our engineer type. He is very linear and logical in his thinking. He loves building things. He loves Legos, whereas Isaac, our younger son, is very artistic and creative. I mean, if I were to show you some of the things that he has drawn at five, six, seven, eight years old, you'd be astounded. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me how gifted and talented he is artistically. And the same applies 
applies to music. Like any kind of instrument, he was taking drum lessons a while back and now he's in guitar lessons. And how quickly he is picking it up is, is amazing to me. He's constantly walking around the house with his guitar. He's already memorized a half a dozen songs and his fingers are moving up and down the fret and playing all these chords and he's serenading us and he's constantly asking us to print out more chord charts so he can learn more songs. And I love the fact, I delight in the fact that he is deriving happiness from a gift that I gave him. But if Isaac were to turn around and tell his brother Samuel, who has to work a little harder to learn this, and it doesn't come as quickly or as easily to him. If Isaac were to start mocking Samuel and say, ha ha, Sammy, you suck at this. I'm better than you are. All of a sudden, I wouldn't be as concerned about Isaac's happiness with his guitar. His happiness would not be my highest priority. We'd have some other things to talk about. Does that make sense? Yet many of us treat God like, well, God, you just want me to be happy, right? It shouldn't matter what I do or how I'm living. I'm going to suggest to you today that God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue him. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness, which is what so many people in our culture today are doing. Whatever makes me happy, that's what I'm going to go for. I think God wants us to pursue him. And we don't pursue him in the name of happiness either. We pursue him for who he is and that alone. God is the end. He is our reward. His presence and his will is the goal. He is our source. He is our reward. We don't pursue him so that he'll give us what we want him to give us and so that we'll be happy. That's using God. That's not glorifying God. Now listen, it's not wrong to be happy. It's just that our happiness is not God's highest priority in our lives. God wants us to pursue him. He doesn't want us to pursue happiness. So today what I wanna try to do is dispel this dangerous cultural myth about God by giving you two specific reasons or times when God doesn't want you to be happy. Number one, and if you're taking notes, write this down. This is so important. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something that's wrong or unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something sinful or something stupid. An example of this would be several years ago, I owned a motorcycle. I love motorcycles. I sold mine years ago, and I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to get another one again. I was always a fan of the... Uh, of the uh, cruisers. Uh, I didn't love the sport bikes. I love just being able to kind of sit back and, and go for a ride on a, on a beautiful day and enjoy the country scenery. Uh, but my friend had a sport bike. He had a crotch rocket. And one day he came over and we decided to swap bikes. He rode my cruiser and I rode his crotch rocket. And we decided to go for a drive on the 219. And guys, when I tell you that, like the happiness I felt when I, you know, turned that throttle and the amount of power and acceleration that happened, it was exhilarating. It was fun. Like I laid into that thing and I got it going up to 120 miles an hour before I started to dial it back a little bit. It made me happy. I, I know it wasn't very wise, um, there's a verse in scripture that says, there is a way that seems right to a man. And that seemed very right to me. But in the end, it says it leads to death. And I'm so glad that, you know, it didn't turn out worse than it could have. I mean, I didn't get a speeding ticket. I didn't wind up losing control of the bike, but 
It made me happy, but God doesn't want us to be happy when it makes us or causes us to do something that's wrong or unwise, and that was most definitely unwise. I want you to look at a verse that Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It says that, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. No, wait a second. That's, that's not actually what it says, but practically that's how many of us live. What Peter actually said is, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. See, God delights in our happiness, but our happiness is not his highest priority. He wants us to be holy like him. He wants us to be set apart more than he wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to be happy when it causes us to do something wrong or something unwise, something sinful or something stupid. An example of this is the reason that so many people give for why they get divorced today. Just not happy anymore. He doesn't make me happy. She doesn't make me happy. And when we believe that above all else, God just wants me to be happy, then when we're not happy, we can justify doing something that is wrong and actually believe that it's right and that it's okay. We've got to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, marriage was God's idea and it's a covenant relationship a binding spiritual agreement for better or for worse, not for as long as you make me happy. And listen, I know that many of you who are listening to this or are watching this are divorced. And my goal in saying this is not to heap guilt or condemnation or shame on anyone for their past. Because listen, I am divorced. I'm not saying that to make anyone feel guilty. I believe that there are a couple of biblically justifiable reasons for divorce, but not being happy is not one of them. My goal in saying anything about this is to speak directly to the people who are right now considering divorce, contemplating breaking a covenant vow simply because you're just not happy anymore. Not because there's abuse, not because there's been adultery, but just because you're not as happy as you once were. We've got to understand that marriage was created by God to be a lifelong covenant relationship. And what God has joined together, man is not supposed to separate. You can't unone what God has made one. He's called us to be holy like him. When I first married Kelly, my mom gave us a book and the subtitle of the book what if, was, what if God created marriage to make us holy more than he did to make us happy? It's an interesting thought. Yet so many of us believe that God just wants us to be happy. God's highest calling in our life is not our happiness, it's our holiness. And yet so many of us wrongly believe that God just wants me to be happy. And then because we believe that, that belief system empowers us to, to do things that are actually wrong and justify it in our minds. And this can apply to so many different areas of our life. Even eating. My wife loves cake. She loves chocolate cake from Eileen's Bakery. But if she were to sit down and eat an entire cake in one setting, I don't know that that would be very wise of her to do. She might be happy while doing it, but if she did that often enough, it might lead to diabetes. Some of you actually hate your job. I mean, you hate it with a passion. And it would bring you so much joy and happiness to walk into your boss's office and just give them a piece of your mind. 
you would just say like, you could take this job and shove it and bleep, 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 whatever. Like that might make you happy. But if you've got three little mouths to feed at home, it's not the wisest thing to quit your job before you've got another job lined up. For married people, you might use this excuse to justify behavior when your wife isn't meeting your needs and so you decide to start looking at pornography because you got needs that aren't being met and and this makes me happy and and yeah, I know it's kind of taboo and and kind of frowned upon but I'm not really hurting anybody and, and she's not meeting my needs so this makes me happy. Or unmarried people who are having sex even though, you know, as Christ followers, we believe that 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 sex was a gift created by God to be enjoyed within the bounds of a covenant marriage. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I listen, I understand that sounds prude and you can make fun of me for having that belief. But followers of Jesus have to understand that we're called to a higher standard. And it doesn't matter if you really love each other or, you know, we're basically married, like we're, we're kind of living together and we're, we're married in our hearts. So God understands, right? It's okay if we, if we go ahead and do that even when it comes to the entertainment, the the justification that we go through in our minds when it comes to the shows and the movies that we watch that are crude or depict or display behavior that is offensive to God, things that, that are the reason why Jesus had to go to the cross. And we say, well, it makes me happy. And it's funny. But listen, funny doesn't make wrong right. See, we live in a culture that bows down and worships at the altar of happiness. But God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something that's wrong or unwise, something that's sinful or something that's stupid. The second time that God doesn't want you to be happy is when it's only based on things of this world. Listen, if you watch TV, you know, it's stunning what culture and advertisers will tell you you need to be happy. You know, years ago, it was, you know, a blanket with holes in it. I don't know why the Snuggie was such a popular thing that sold, I don't know how many millions of them, but apparently we needed that to make us happy. And today it's the 21-day uh, fixed by Beachbody so that we can look a certain way or, you know, if it's the latest miracle lotion to keep us looking like we're 22 when we're 62 or the latest technology, having the newest iPhone model. And I swear if this whole COVID thing lasts much longer, the Floby is gonna make a huge comeback because people can't get haircuts and this is the longest I've ever gone without getting a haircut. And Jay, if you're watching, I miss you, I need you, I need a haircut. There's a formula I want to give you today for what culture uh, would say is the recipe for you being happy. Culture says that if you have better possessions, you know, newer, faster, shinier, bigger, better, whatever, plus peaceful circumstances, plus thrilling experiences, the perfect vacation or something like that, plus the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance, nip, tuck, shave, do whatever, then you'll have happiness. That's the formula for the world, that if you have all of those things, then you'll be happy. The problem with all of those things is they're they're all based on happenings. And happenings don't stay the same for very long. And that's why no one is really happy all of the time with the things of this world, because they're simply counterfeits. They're not the real thing. You know, speaking of counterfeits and not being the real thing, a couple years ago for Christmas, 
My wife and I got our oldest son, Samuel, some Legos. Now, he loves Legos. I told you that earlier. He loves building things. But if you're parents who have kids that love Legos, you know how flippin' expensive Legos can be. Like, he's getting to an age where he wants a challenge now, and he wants the bigger sets. Like, the one he wanted that year was, some, I think, $200. And I'm like, babe, we've already spent more than we should have for Christmas. We can't afford to get him a $200 Lego set. And so my wife found this knockoff Lego brand at another store and she called me up and she goes, babe, this is like 1,700 pieces. It's this huge castle and it's only $39.99. I'm like, perfect, that's gonna be awesome. Christmas morning came, he opened the present and he absolutely loved it. He lit up with so much happiness and he got into opening the box and you know the happiness quickly faded when he said, dad, I think I need your help with this. And I came over and started helping him put it together and the instruction manuals was like reading a different language. If you've ever assembled an authentic Lego set, they do a fantastic job of very clearly describing what pieces you need and how they go together and they click together really well. And this knockoff brand that we bought, the bricks didn't go together very well and the instructions were super confusing. It's like, wait, which way does this go? And it was just, it took us literally all day long to put this together. Initial happiness, but once we realized it wasn't the real thing, that happiness kind of faded away. And that's kind of what we do sometimes with God. We, we settle for cheaper substitutes. And it doesn't bring real happiness because it's not the real thing. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. In fact, I love what John says. It's so pointed and so direct in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, when he writes this. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, he says, love for the Father is not in them. And if you're a follower of Christ, that verse should, should be very convicting. When I read that, I'm like, ooh, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father, or some translations say the love of the Father is not in them. And then he says, for everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all of these things that we lust after and crave after that we think are going to bring us happiness. He says, these things don't come from the Father, but they come from the world. And then he says, the world and its desires will pass away. They're only temporary. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, God does not want you above all else to be happy when it causes you to do something that's wrong or something that's unwise. And God does not want you to be happy when it's based on the things of this world, which are temporary. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness. He actually has something way better for you than happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy as much as he wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. Blessing is so much better than happiness. Happiness is based on happenings which change, but being blessed is based on God's goodness and his grace and his presence which never change. The blessing of God is, is a primary and central theme of the entire Bible from beginning to end. It is a story of God's heart to bless his children. It starts with blessing and it ends with blessing. Blessing is God's default setting. And if you don't believe that, then you're gonna doubt the goodness of God. And if you doubt the goodness of God, you'll forfeit his blessing. 
See, what you believe about God and his disposition towards you is the most important thing about you. God wants to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. His blessing is our birthright as his children. I believe that with all my heart, but I wonder how many of you actually believe that to be true. Now I know what some of you might be thinking. Am I promising health, wealth, and prosperity? And let me say very clearly, absolutely not. That is not what the blessed life is all about. See, God promises us something so much better than than physical health or material wealth. The blessing of God is not some type of an immunity card against any kind of pain or suffering. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You want a promise? That's a promise from Jesus. Thank you very much. We're gonna have some trouble. But in the very same breath, he said, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So listen, being blessed doesn't mean that you're not gonna have a bad day. It doesn't mean that your kids won't fight. It doesn't mean that your car won't break down, that you're never gonna get sick. And it doesn't mean that you'll never lose your job. These things happen. Being blessed doesn't mean that things are always going to go your way or that God is gonna say yes to every single prayer you pray or that you're gonna live in a dream house someday. What it means is that you get to experience the very real presence and goodness and grace of God in some of the most difficult seasons of life. Being blessed doesn't mean that you won't experience pain, that you won't walk through storms, that you won't feel weak or that you won't go through trials. Being blessed means that he'll comfort us in our pain. Being blessed means that we'll have peace that surpasses human understanding in the midst of a storm. Being blessed means that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And it means that we'll have joy unspeakable in the middle of trials. Jesus never said that God only wants you to be happy. But he did say this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, or they will be comforted. A little bit of a different take on what we typically think of when we use the word blessed. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn. He goes on, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus listed a whole bunch of people who are blessed. And the word blessed there in the original language in the Greek is the word makarios. And the definition for that is supremely blessed and more than happy. That's the definition. That's what Jesus said we are. We are supremely blessed and more than happy. Do you know that God wants you more than happy? He wants you to be supremely blessed. And some blessings are as simple and as straightforward as a sunrise. Others are a little bit more difficult to discern, like the blessing of brokenness. But as Mark Batterson says, which I believe with all my heart, he says, the blessing of God is the solution to your biggest problem, the answer to your boldest prayer, and the fulfillment of your bravest dream. But we've got to understand that God doesn't bless disobedience. Blessings follow obedience. God doesn't bless pride or greed or laziness. 
So we've got to position ourselves to receive God's blessings. We've got to pursue him and delight in him, not for what he can do for us, but just because of who he is. David said in Psalm 37, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So many people read that and they think, well, I just gotta delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me what I want. So if I do the God thing and I go to church and I read my Bible and you know, I try to do the right things and stay away from the wrong things, then God will give me whatever I want. But that's not what it means. The word delight in the original Hebrew is the word anag and it means to delight or to enjoy and it carries with it this idea of being made soft and pliable. In other words, as we seek God, as we enjoy God, as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness like Jesus said, as we're not seeking happiness, but we're seeking and pursuing him, suddenly I'm enjoying God and I'm being made soft and pliable and he is molding me and shaping me and I'm being conformed to his image and he is giving me his desires. He doesn't give me what I want, he gives me what to want. So when it says he gives me the desires of my heart as I'm enjoying him and delighting in him, he is making me like him and, and his, my desires become his desires. He puts his desires in me. That's what it means that he gives us the desires of our heart. He, he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what to want. And then when we pray in accordance with his will, then he does answer those prayers. You guys, what is the blessing of God? In a word, the blessing of God is God. It's God with us, it's God for us, and it is God in us. And to reduce it to anything less than that, it not only it, it dishonors God and it devalues the blessing, it's God with us. When Jesus came to show us the Father, it's, it's peace that passes understanding, it's comfort in the middle of pain, it's joy unspeakable, God with us. And it's God for us, which Jesus proved once and for all when he went to the cross in our place to pay the price for our sin and break the power and the curse of sin so that we could forever live in the Father's blessing. God with us, the, the blessing of God, the favor of, is the favor of God. It's, it's that X factor, the difference between the best that you can do and the best that he can do. And it's God in us. Holy Spirit, resurrection power living on the inside of us. That's the blessing of God. I wanna close with an illustration that Max Lucado gave a couple years ago when he said that if you were to take a fish out of a pond or out of a lake or an ocean and put it on the sandy beach, would that fish be happy? Of course not. What about if we gave the fish $100,000 cash, just a big pile of cash. Would, would the fish be happy then? No. What if we you know, put the fish in a lounge chair and put an umbrella over him and handed him a margarita or a Corona so he could live the good life? Would the fish be happy then? No, of course not. Why? Because the fish wasn't made for the sand. The fish was made for the ocean. And similarly, you know, we could have everything that this world has to offer but we will never find lasting happiness because we were not made for this earth. We were made for eternity. We were made for heaven. 
And whatever moments of happiness we can experience in this earth are short-lived. So I want to encourage you to lower your expectations of this earth and what it can offer you and the happiness that it can bring you. Because there is no new car, there's no new wife, there's no new baby, there's no new boat, there's no new anything that will give your heart the joy that it's longing for. Because in every single one of us, there is a Christ-shaped void that only He can fill. Only He will satisfy. You know, I started off with a scripture verse in the beginning of the message to support the idea that God wants you to be happy but I intentionally didn't give you the whole verse. And so now I wanna show you what the rest of Psalm 97 verse 12 says as we wrap up this message. It says, may all who are godly be happy. How? May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. You guys, happiness is never found in the happenings of this earth which change. Happiness is only found in the Lord. And it's so much deeper than happiness. It's blessing. It's his presence. It's his goodness. It's his grace in our lives. It's his power. It's an eternal calling. Therefore, lower your expectations of this earth because you were not created for this earth. You were created for heaven. You were created to know and worship him, to delight yourself in him. He is so fulfilling. He is so satisfying. And I pray that you will, you will experience a hunger and a thirst for him that, that cannot be quenched, that you will, you will get all of God that you can. Listen, above all else, God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something that's wrong or something that's unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy if it's only going to be based in the things of this earth. God has something that is so far better for you. God wants you to be blessed, to be supremely blessed and more than happy, tapping into his goodness so that no matter what and in everything, you would never question and would always know that God is with you, he is for you, and he is in you. That's some good news, my friends. So let me pray for you today as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing because of what he accomplished for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so God, I pray that you would convict those of us who have at times, and every single one of us have done it, tried to find happiness in the things of this world and have gone so far as to compromise our convictions and do things that we know are wrong and we justify it in our minds because it makes us happy and, and you'll understand because you want us to be happy. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that true happiness, being blessed is only found in a relationship with you. God, I pray for all of those who are going through a divorce right now and considering ending their, their vows because they're unhappy. God, I pray that you would restore hope, that you would help them to look to you, not to their own happiness. Lord, may you fill that longing in their heart. May you do a miracle and restore their marriage, God. As we continue praying, I wanna ask those of you who have tried everything, you, you've, you've 
tapped every well, you've, you've partied, you've consumed everything that can be consumed, all in an attempt to, to find happiness, to find meaning, to find fulfillment. And today, as you listen to me, you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and telling you, you're never gonna find the happiness that you're longing for in the things of this earth and the happenings that, that come and go and they change and they never last. If you know that right now, you need to make a decision to stop chasing happiness in the things of this earth and instead surrender the control of your life to Jesus and invite him in so that he can forgive you of your sin and you can be promised an eternal life with him, then I'm gonna give you that opportunity to do that right now. And since we're on Church Online, if you could just let us know that you're ready to make this decision by simply putting a hands up emoji in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching from, whether it's Facebook Live or Church Online, just put a hands up emoji so that we know that you are ready to make this decision to make Jesus the Savior and, and Lord of your life. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I just want you to repeat these words after me wherever you're at, whether you're in your room or in your living room, in your kitchen, just say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for trying to find happiness in the things of this world. Lord, I know that I have sinned and I know that's why Jesus came to die for sinners like me. And today, I confess my sin to you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Make me brand new. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again. And today, I give you my life. My life is not my own because I give it to you. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the strength and the power to live for you and serve you and follow you every day for the rest of my life. I wanna experience your blessing in my life and know that I will get to live forever with you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Listen, church, wherever you're at, I hope that you're shouting and clapping and giving God some praise because the family of God, I believe, just grew as people made that decision to surrender their control of, of their lives to Jesus Christ. In just a moment, Pastor Beth is gonna come on and uh, give you some instructions for some next steps that you can take on this new journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. But let me be the first to welcome you as my brother or as my sister to the family of God. We are so excited for you. We're gonna continue this series next week, but until then, God bless, be blessed, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.